Amen. We're glad to see you here. Good morning, church. Glad to see people are flexible, right? So some people are doing some things this morning that maybe they're not accustomed to, and so we praise God that uh, he supplies, right? And so Savannah said a while ago, something different. She said I was wearing a tie, and so, yeah, that is. It took me a long time to get that thing tied. So we're glad you guys are here this morning. We're glad, again, for the opportunity to come and to, uh, to be in God's house and to study his word. And so uh, we're praying this morning that God, again, as Adam said a while ago, that God will speak to us. And I believe as we open his word, he will. And I pray that our hearts, our ears, our eyes, our minds will be open this morning. So I appreciate the opportunity to share God's word with you this morning. And won't take just a second. I know some of you may be wondering or asking, uh, again, about our pastors. And so I want to ask you to continue to pray for them. As they share a while ago, Brother Blake's surgery went well uh, this week, actually not quite as extensive as they had first thought, and so hopefully uh, that the recovery time will be much shorter. And so he aimed to be here this morning, but I think he had a little rough night of sleeping, uh, not a lot of rest, and so continue to pray for him, uh, and so that that recovery will go well. And I talked to Brother Todd this morning, and he said he appreciates your all's prayers, and he is feeling much better uh, their family has been dealing with uh, COVID this week, and so they're all feeling better. But again, just continue to pray for them that that will continue to heal and strengthen his body. That's one thing he said is just his energy level. And so just be specific in praying for that. Um, and again, I know we have several in our in our community or in our uh, congregation this morning that's out. And we've had loss of loved ones of uh, uh, Mr. Gum uh, and his family, so remember them this morning also and others. So if you would, pray with me this time. We're going to stop and remember these and lift them up and as we go in this time of God's Word. Lord, we're thankful this morning. God, just as uh, Adam spoke about your Word, Lord, what a blessing that we have, God, to come and hear from you, the living, the one true God. And so, God, I pray this morning as we open your Word, God, that you will open our hearts, God, that we may receive your word. And Lord, you just open the door of faith as we're going to see here in a little bit how you have done throughout the ages. And God, that work still continues today. Lord, we lift up those that's been mentioned this morning specifically for our pastors, for Brother Blake and Brother Todd as they're out this morning. God, we just pray healing. God, for their bodies, we just ask that you'll continue that recovery process and that will go well, that will go quickly. And Lord, just strengthen their bodies that you uh, may bring them back here again. And, Lord, just for the Gum family this morning and for others in our community who have lost loved ones, God, just that sorrow of uh, the passing of those, those loved ones. And, God, we just pray that your spirit and your people would minister to them, God, and they would find hope and peace in Christ alone. And, again, for those that are traveling, I know many are out and about in other places today. And so, Lord, we just pray for their safety as they travel back home. Again, the sirens are running right now, God, just things that are going on. Lord, we just pray, again, for your spirit, uh, for your will to be done in all those situations. God, again, pray for a time this morning. Open our hearts, God, to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we come here this morning, uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 14. Not going to have it up on the board. So, again, just the importance of bringing your copy of God's word. Time was a little short. Uh, as Adam mentioned earlier, I'll say that too. Uh, this week has been busy, and Brother Todd texted me on Wednesday after they had kind of gotten the results of that test, and he uh, he asked if I would be available to preach Sunday morning. I said, yeah, and it was kind of interesting. Lindsay had asked me here uh, just a few days prior to that. It's like, hey, 
if you was uh, asked to preach on a very short notice, what would you preach on? I said, oh. So apparently she knew something I didn't. And so uh, I told her, I said, well, probably Acts. I said, man, that's, that's where I've been studying. That's where we've been looking through. And then uh, God's been showing me a lot of things. And we've been looking through that on Wednesday nights with our youth. And so if you're youth, I'd encourage you to come on Wednesday nights. We're studying through the book of Acts. And we have gotten to about chapter 15 or so. And so I told her, I said, man, that's probably where I'd be back in Acts. And so what's where we're going to be at this morning? Acts chapter 14, uh, specifically here in verses 19 through 28. And uh, as I've been reading and studying through Acts, man, it's been super encouraging for my own soul as I've studied through that. And just looking back at the work of God in people's lives, individuals' lives, and in groups of communities and just the building of the church and how God has worked through people to build his kingdom. It's just been encouraging to see that same work going on today. And so it's really cool uh, to see that, man, the things that are happening today is just a continuation of what God started then. And so it's pretty interesting. And I hope today that you see some of that as we look here into this portion of God's text. And so as a main point or a big idea for those that take notes, and I hope you do, uh, kind of a big idea or main point for this morning's message is the gospel calls us to be actively engaged in God's work to build his kingdom, both individually and corporately. I'll read it again just a little bit slower. said, the gospel calls us to be actively engaged in God's work to build his kingdom, both individually and corporately. And as you study through God's word, and specifically here in the book of Acts, you'll see that and throughout the New Testament, that has always been God's pattern. The gospel is preached. The gospel is proclaimed to people. People hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They receive him of their Lord and Savior. They repent of their sins, turn their life over to him. They're added to the church. The church is built people are discipled, then they go out and continue that process. And it just continues over and over and just that process of multiplication. And so with that, we look at it this morning. We say, man, how do we do that? How are we to be actively engaged in God's work in the building of his kingdom? And so as we look here, and we don't have time to go back, but Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14 records Paul's first missionary journey. And it begins here in, in Antioch, Syria, and it wraps up or comes back full circle again here in Antioch, Syria. And so he makes this loop and kind of goes up and he comes back around all the way back through those towns or cities again, proclaiming the word. And so we see this missionary journey kind of come to full, uh, full term here. And so it's encouraging this, this morning as we look in here. And I hope and pray that you see some things that may be happening here in our own church. And it gives us a great framework. I think it gives us a great model to kind of see how to be actively engaged in what God is doing. So I hope and pray that you take some of these things away from me this morning. Going to be looking at several points, and so we'll, uh, we'll make those a little bit known more as we go through. Uh, but to, again, just to see how this works and see how God is doing this in his community. And so as the gospel is proclaimed and shared, and you're going to see that here in the text this morning, and you probably recognize it even in our own lives and our own day-to-day -day walks, but as it is proclaimed, the reality is that it divides communities. And you're going to see that here as the gospel. You think, man, that's good, right? God is sharing his word through people. Man, the, the gospel's going out. That's a good thing, and it is. But a lot of times it causes tension, and it divides people. It divides their 
communities. It divides even families. Why is that? Why is the gospel so divisive? Well, I believe it confronts us in our sin. It confronts and brings to light the sin in our life that separates us from a holy and righteous God. And to be honest, it calls us to repent and to submit our lives to Christ Jesus and to his lordship. And that's divisive, isn't it? Because even in our own lives, man, we've got those things that are hard to give up at times. Those things that, man, that tempt us or draw us away from God. Some of those things are difficult at times. But it divides communities, and you're going to see that here in just a minute. There's some, there's some real persecution that happens here. And those things even happen today. And so those experiences are real. And so we want you to understand that as we look at God's Word here this morning. So look here with me at, at verse 19 is where we're going to start. God's word says, but the Jews, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. As we talked about a little bit, you kind of got to know the background here, but Paul and Barnabas, they're now here in the city of Lystra, and they're sharing the gospel, and they're ministering here, they're ministering here and they've been up in Iconium. There, if you look back in verses 1 through 7, they've been there in that city, and they've proclaimed the gospel, they're preaching, and they're discipling believers, and then there's an attempt to kill them, an attempt to persecution upon their lives, and so they flee from that area, and then they go down and flee to this city of Lystra and Derby, And so now they come into this place, and they continue to preach the gospel. And that's where you pick up in verse 8 and all the way through 18, and you see this healing here of a crippled man. Uh, don't tell us a lot about him, but it says that he is born uh, that way, all the way from birth. He's been crippled. And miraculously, through Paul and Barnabas here, God heals him. He stands up and walks right, upright on his feet. And it gets people's attention, doesn't it? The crowd here, they look and see this. And, man, they're astonished at this miracle that happens. But instead of giving God praise for what's happened, they go back to some of their old ways and some of their old learnings, and they begin to offer sacrifices here to Barnabas and Paul because they think they're gods. And so they think that they're Zeus and Hermes, and, man, they just begin to do all this pagan stuff and worshiping men. And Paul and Barnabas try to set them straight, and it's like, man, listen, this is not, as, this is not us. This is of God. God has healed this man. And they began to try to share the gospel there and point them to them and call them to the good news call them to turn away from these vain things and turn to a living God. But they're not having a lot of success. And so here, again, we see that the gospel sometimes uh, causes conflict, and it does here in this community. And then you move back here to verse 19, and we pick back up, and it says here they come back in, and they persuaded crowds to come uh, from Antioch and to Iconium. And so they've moved here. Uh, down from uh, uh, about a 100-mile stretch. These people, the Jews, and, and come in from Antioch and Iconium and traveled about 100 miles to kill Paul and to stop the message. They're pretty intent, aren't they? To travel that far, it's not just that they're coming down to, to tell him to stop, but they want to get Paul out of the scene and off the scene. And so they come here and they stone him to the point that they think he's dead, or they hope he is, and they assume that. There's not a lot of life shown there left in him, and so they drag him out of the city. But look at verse 20. 
It says, But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Paul is one tough dude, ain't he? I don't know about you, but man, I think if I would, if this would have happened to me, he's beat down one day, he gets up, and then he goes the very next day. He travels down to the next place, which is about 60 miles. So he starts on this journey again with Barnabas on to Derby to share the gospel. I would have probably called in sick that day. Right? I don't know about you, but I, sometimes you just don't feel good. I'm sure Paul didn't feel good after stoning him nearly to death. But Paul is not discouraged, is he? Paul is determined. Why? People need to hear the good news of the gospel, don't they? Paul is determined to share about Jesus Christ. Man, he gets up, and I, I think even at that, uh, Paul's determined, but really I believe you see another miracle here of God. Right? They have stoned him nearly to death, but God heals his body enough that he's able to raise up, he's able to head out the next day, and to continue on in the gospel. And so, But as you look here, it says that they were gathered around him. And those people, I'm sure, were praying, those disciples. Again, there was many that had come in to persecute him. But there was a group here of disciples that were faithful. And, man, they just gather around him. And I'm sure they began to pray and lift him up. And God heals him and brings him about where he can go on and continue into that ministry. I wonder how committed we are to the gospel and what God has called us to do. Paul doesn't give up here. When things get hard, it would have been real easy to say, listen, I don't need any more of that stoning stuff. I don't need any more of that persecution. That's not a fun time. I'm going to get out of here. Go back to doing what's easy. Do we do that? How many times do we take the easy road? Paul here goes back into the ministry and goes back into sharing the gospel. Look here again at verse 21. It says, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium, and to Antioch. And if you'll study, and it doesn't say here particularly in this text, but if you'll look and study about this group of disciples here in Lystra or Lystra, I may not be saying that right, but here if you'll look and study about who that might have been, who would have been possibly one of those disciples, one of those learners that would have been here in that city at that time? Probably a young man by the name of Timothy. Look at Timothy chapter 3. You can jot this down in your notes. Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 through 15. Paul's encouraging young Timothy. Timothy goes on and is built up, and uh, Paul calls him a son in the faith, and man just continues to, to pour into Timothy, and he passes on that baton. And he says there in, in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy in verse 10, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. With persecutions I endured. Listen to this. Yet from, all, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood 
you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul here, he just reminds Timothy that following Christ isn't always an easy life, is it? But man, it's worth it, isn't it? Because friends, we do not live for this world, do we? The fleeting things of this world, man, we're a fickle people. It don't take a lot to throw us off course. Man, today, one day we'll be going real good, and the next moment things can go off terribly on the other side. But we live for an eternal reward with Christ Jesus, don't we? That's why the writer of Hebrews, he says there in chapter 12, verse 2, says, looking unto Jesus or looking to Jesus or fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. There's an eternal reward from serving the Lord, not just a here and now. And these times can be hard at times. But as you think about Timothy here, he's watching Paul's life, the good days and the bad days. Do you ever stop and think about who may be watching your life? Who may be watching your responses? And if so, what impact are you having on their life? Timothy was watching here, and he saw Paul, man, in the good times when he was standing and proclaiming the gospel. And then he saw him when they drug him out of town, beat half to death. And Paul, or Timothy here, he sees a man that is sold out to Jesus Christ. He is unwavering. What do people see when they look at your life? I hope and pray that they see us as sold out to Christ. Look at verse 21 again. It says here, Luke begins to show us what the framework actually looks like, and he breaks it down and gives us some helpful things here to, to look at. And so if you're a note taker, again, you can kind of write these down as we go along. But I think the first thing that he shows us is that the framework shows us about, again, being part of God's kingdom work here. It begins with preaching the gospel. Look at verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city, they had made many disciples. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, and this is in Antioch, Lysa, Lysa. can't say it exactly right. But note here, Paul went back to those places that had tried to kill him, didn't he? He had turned around and went back to those same cities again. Again, he's not, he's not thrown off course, but the people need to hear. I'm sure he was reminded back again about his former life, right? He was a persecutor of the church, stood by as a stone Stephen, and, man, he recognized that God could change those people's lives too. And so he is faithful to go back and continue into the gospel and preparing those people and announcing the good news. And if you look here and you study through the Greek uh, word of that, that preached the gospel, uh, it's where we come up with the word, it's the Greek word euangelizo, and it means to bring good news or to make an announcement. And it's where we derive our word evangelism from. So Paul here, he just begins to go and evangelize, to preach the gospel. He gives an evangelistic presentation. What would that look like? How can you do that? Same way Paul does. I'm sure he went in and shared that God loves you. God loves people. That's why he's created us, right? So that we could have an eternal life with him one day. He loves us so much that he was willing to make us. And he knows exactly who we are before we're ever born. But he loves us. But yet, our sin separates us from a holy and righteous God, doesn't he? Yet in our sin, it talks about, and Paul talks about later on in Romans, he says, for all is sin and falls short of the glory of God. 
our sin separates us from a holy and righteous God, which creates a big problem. And Paul is faithful to share. And he says in Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus comes. He lives a perfect, sinless life. He gives his life there on the cross in place of ours to bear the payment for our sins. He did what we couldn't do. He did what we should have been should have done, right? We deserve that payment, but yet he took that upon himself on the cross so that we wouldn't have to bear that. And then on the third day, by the power of God, he was raised to life. And Paul just continues to pour that message into these people. And he gives an uh, invitation to respond. And so, again, that same message is true for you today. Have you done that? Have you responded to God's grace and his mercy? It would be an awesome time for you to do that today. So first we see here he preaches the gospel. The second thing here in this kind of this framework or uh, this outline we show, uh, God made many disciples. Look back at verse 21. It says, When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch. You see, being a Christian is more than just walking down an aisle and saying it with your lips, isn't it? It is a life of submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is living that out now. And Paul and Barnabas spent time investing in these people into their lives of believers to help them to understand what it looks like now to follow Christ. Because if you think back, many of these believers, they were coming out of, again, just these previous lives of pagan worship, of false gods. They were Gentiles. They didn't know the scriptures and all these things, man. So Paul and Barnabas are faithful to go back and make disciples to help them to learn the word of God and instructing them on what it looks like to walk each day and live for him. And so I don't know about you, but we need that today, right? We all need that help. We all need that discipleship of growth and spending time in God's word and helping one another grow. And so Paul and, and Barnabas are faithful here, and they go back and they make disciples. Third one, look at verse 22. It says that they're strengthening and encouraging those believers. So not only do they share the gospel, but they teach them about what it looks like to follow Christ, to be faithful to him. And in verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And Paul, man, he's a great example of some of these persecutions and tribulations in him. And he goes on from here, continues to be persecuted all throughout his ministry, eventually loses his life to that of giving the gospel. And so he knows what it looks like to face these tribulations. And so he knows that these believers are going to also face some of those same things. And so in Romans 16, I think it's a helpful verse here in, in verse 25, Paul helps us to understand. He says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Paul says that our strength and our encouragement is rooted in the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he wants them to know that it's not going to be an easy road, but they can continue to come back to the good news of the gospel for that encouragement and that strength that they're going to need. And just to remind them, it's worth it. Again, that eternal victory that we have in Christ and that God himself will be the one that strengthens them in those days ahead. John talks about it in John chapter 15. He talks about just abiding in Christ, 
just that strength of knowing that Christ is with you. Christ will empower you. And so they just encourage and strengthen them here. The fourth thing, they appoint elders. Look at verse 23. It says, when they, had, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now, I'm not going to go into it a lot this morning here, but if you'll jot down in your notes, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, and if you'll take some time to read through that this week uh, in, your, in your time of study and time of God's Word, Brother Blake's going to be sharing some more on this next week, Lord wills. We pray he'll be back with us. He's going to be sharing some more, bit, uh, more about this, about what it looks like. But I think it's important to recognize here one thing, and this is elders is plural, right? It's not just one man running a church or one man, um, as some people or some practices or religions practice here and teach, but it's a group of godly men working together here to lead these churches. If you'll study through that, man, that has always been the New Testament practice of the church. Because God, uh, Paul here, he wants them to understand that the work and the ministry is, needs to continue on. After they go on, continuing their ministry and those mission uh, outreaches, that the local church is still going to be there. And there needs to be men who will step up and lead. And so they're pouring in, they organize, they equip the local church with these men to stand up and lead. So young men, let me call to your attention this morning to align yourself, to align your life with the Word of God. Peter talks about it uh, in, his, in his letters, and he talks about there to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You have a responsibility to learn and grow in God's Word because God wants to raise up young men to proclaim the gospel, to lead in churches. And we have a great need for that in our, in our world today. And so we pray that you're doing that. We're praying for young men and old men as we continue on, that God will continue to raise up men who will lead faithfully. Look at our fifth one here. In uh, verse 24 through 27, it says that they gathered together. It says in verse 24, Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. See here, Paul and Barnabas, they kind of started working their way back to Antioch. If Syria there, where they had been first commissioned, where they had been first sent out by the church, and they had started from there, but they didn't take uh, the shortcut back. They go back again, again, through those same towns, just continuing to encourage and strengthen those people. They take every opportunity to share the gospel and to build those churches up, to build those disciples up. Um, but they go back to their church here at Antioch, and they gather the people together to do what? To share what God had done. God had done a great work. Man, they had a lot to share, didn't they? They shared about all the good times. They shared about all the bad times. But they shared not what they had done, but what God had done in and through them. And brothers and sisters, it is a great and mighty work that God has called us to do. I hope and pray that you understand that. It is a high calling as Christians. And it's a privilege to serve the Lord. But let us not forget that it is God that is doing the work. 
Paul and Barnabas here is reminded uh, the church that it is God who opened those doors. And so I believe here as we look through that and we study, we see man's responsibility, but we see God's sovereignty in it. God is the one, again, is doing the great work in and through people's lives. Isn't that a relief to you? To know as you go out in the power of God that God has already opened those doors. You don't have to bust them open. God is working in people's lives, preparing them to hear the good news of the gospel. All that we've got to do is be faithful to do our part and to share it. Are we doing that? Are you being faithful this week to go out and to share the gospel? Knowing that people are hungry for it. Knowing that they're going to receive the word. Not all of them, but part of them will. To know that, man, that you can share that good news with people. And it's also a great reminder here as they come back, just a reminder that God is at work in all kinds of places all over the world. I think a lot of times we get tunnel vision. We see maybe just what's happening in Greensburg. But God is not limited to space or geographical locations. He is omnipresent, isn't he? He is all places. And when God's message is proclaimed to people, he'll open doors for people to hear the gospel. And so we can rest in that, that God is at work, not just here, but all over the world. And I think it's also a great reminder here that the church of Antioch was a sending church. As I looked at that, man, it's pretty cool here that, that Paul and Barnabas, they start out there at Antioch, they take up a collection, and they, they commission these men, they pray over them, they fast, and they send them out to do the work that God's called them to do. But they're not just sent out and forgotten about, are they? They keep that line of communication open. They're reporting back and sharing about what God has done and what God is doing so that they can be built up, that local church can be built up. And I think it's pretty cool that we stop and think about that point just a little bit because this is some stuff that's happening here at Greensburg Baptist today. I hope and pray you'll be here Wednesday night, but Tim and Sally Williams are getting ready to go back to Honduras again to share the gospel with those people in Honduras to make disciples and to build up that local church and those young people specifically there. But they're going out. And here as Greensburg Baptist, we've been able to be a sending church and to help them to go out. And so we're looking forward to the work that God is going to do there. He's already opening those doors, and, man, he's going to share the gospel with people, and they're going to receive. And, man, I hope and pray that we get to come back and we get to hear that. And so come be a part Wednesday night at 530. They're going to be sharing here with us in the sanctuary about what that looks like and how you can be a part of that. Brother Blake and his family, they're getting ready to be sent out to Niger, Africa, to go and to help those people to understand the love of God, to help train and equip other men to go back into their communities and to share the gospel. And hopefully God will bring them back here to us one day. We're looking forward to those times because we now know that God is already working there. He's already doing those ministries. He's opening those doors for when they get there, they'll be able to share and see that good work and they'll be able to come back and share with us. And we can hear how God is at work. Miss Karen's getting a group together to go to Oklahoma this summer. We're going to get a group together to go to Changers this time in Mayfield, Kentucky. God has opened some doors and is opening some doors for you to serve. Will you do that? How will you do that? How will you be a part of what God is doing to share the gospel? And I'll be honest, I get excited when I start to think about those things. It excites me to think about what God will do in and through people like us. Just being faithful, 
and the doors that he will open. How will you be a part? And look here with us in verse 28. We kind of wrap up. It says, And they remained no little time with the disciples. They stayed there about a year before heading back out to the missionary field again. Again, you'll think about Paul's journeys, and he continues on there in the book of Acts. He's got a couple more missionary journeys to go out on. And it's just a reminder again here of that coming back and joining together in that fellowship time. But they stay there, and they just worship and fellowship together for about a year. Isn't that really a picture of what we do each and every Sunday here? We think about, man, going to the mission field. We think about going out. But really, God is sending sending each and one of us out every week. We come back here to our local church to be equipped, to be renewed, to be refreshed, to be encouraged, to go back out to our homes, to work, to schools, to activities, and all the other places that God sends us to be a ministry to serve and to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. So I hope and pray that we're being faithful to that. And I'm reminded Brother Todd a lot of times shares in his benedictions. He says, you are now entering the mission field. And I think a lot of times we overlook that. and We think, man, I'm not going there. So, But we're entering the mission field every time we walk out of these doors. So again, just be praying about what that looks like for you to be actively involved in God's work to build his kingdom, both individually and corporately. It's a great privilege to serve the Lord. And again, we recognize that God is doing a great work. And I hope and pray that you're excited about what he's doing and you'll be a part of it. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you again for our time that we have just to come and to study your word. God, that we don't have to come up with new ideas. God, how to reach our people and our communities, how to reach our families. God, you have laid out a framework here in Acts and so much throughout all the, your word and all throughout your Bible. God, just how to faithfully serve and how to point people to Christ, how to grow disciples, how to grow the church, God, just to be a part of your kingdom work. Lord, help us to be faithful in those areas this week to share the gospel. It is good news. That is why it's called good news, God, that you have taken the penalty that we deserve for our sins. Lord, you have made that payment on our behalf. And, God, now you offer forgiveness of sins. If we will repent or turn our hearts over to you, Lord, I pray this morning, if there's one here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that this would be the morning, God, that they would do that. They would recognize that good news and that offer that still stands true today. Lord, again, strengthen us this week as we go out and proclaim who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.